You're listening to the Tuesday Talks Podcast, your source for truth and innovation in the communications ecosystem, hosted by Numerical. All right, welcome to Tuesday Talks, a live discussion series where we shed light and bring truth to emerging topics in the communications industry. I'm Rebecca Johnson, founder and CEO of Numerical, and I'll be co-hosting today's session with Anise Jaffer, Chief Product Officer at Numerical. Anise, it's great to get back together again. It's been a long time. <laughs> yeah, it feels like uh, it's been months. I mean, it's literally been months it since has. Uh, we both have been together. The yeah. last time we did this together was May 4th. And the only thing uh, I really remember about May 4th had to do with uh, Elon Musk <laughs> and what was going on <laughs> in space. <laughs> Yeah, that's right. Yeah, but it's been good. Uh, We've uh, each kind of gone off and interviewed. Um, I think that was the point when Tuesday Talks started to spread our little wings and um, bring on guests and dive into other topics where, you know what, we're not always the experts here. So we really want to bring people who are the industry experts into our conversations. So I'm really excited, though, to uh, get back together. And it really is a perfect topic. Um, today, what we're doing is recapping some of our favorite sessions from the SIP Forum's 2021 Stir Shaken Virtual Summit. Anise, did you attend? Yes, I did. Uh, for the most part, there were some sessions that uh, that I couldn't because of other commitments and some I couldn't stand. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Regardless, yeah. you know, there were, you know, there were also, uh, there were a lot of great sessions, to be honest. Um, and, uh, you know, getting the recordings um, post-session was good, so we could go back and listen to it yeah. when we had some time. So. I, I really appreciate that. And then talking with people, you know, I might be attending the event live and I'm texting someone going, did you just hear what they said? And the response was, well, I got it up on my computer, but I'll listen to it later. And they actually did. So I, I, I really enjoyed this type of uh, setup. I'm sure we're all going to get to back together again in person someday, but I do like the instant replays <laughs> that we can have. I agree. I agree. Um, in, in fact, you know, you get to get a, a lot of content uh, with the virtual ones because you can then plan your day. Uh, because when you're in person, you know, you're constantly juggling between attending sessions and then taking care of your day-to-day work. So this at least allows us to kind of focus on both. And then whenever you have time, you can, you know, get in and out. Yeah. I agree. That was good. I agree. So if you didn't participate in this event and we're not aware of it, uh, we will have links that allow you to uh, get access to those recordings. You just have to register and it's really simple. So this event took place from July 19th through the 23rd, featuring discussions around stir shaken, KYC, rich call data, and other emerging topics in the telecom space. Numerical and Aegis Mobile presented the closing session which we were focused on presenting what's really expected for service providers post-June 2021 deadline. Between myself, John Bruner of Aegis Mobile, Stephen Smith from Fonative, and Steve Augustino from Kelly Dry, we introduced the importance of implementing a KYC-based customer vetting and verification process to ensure bad actors are identified and stopped before fraud can be committed across a voice network. So before we dive into this, um, one of the things I love about this particular event um, are really it's an opportunity to see all the industry's experts 
all coming together talking about the topics that mean a lot to them. And it's the work that they do all year long. So I don't know of any other type of event where you get this many experts together and we just really dive into the technical details and some high level as well. So you don't have to just be a technical person to attend. This covers regulatory as well and then some high level and forward looking conversations. But it's one thing that you can always count on at the SIP Forum is a history lesson on Stir Shaken. And this year did not disappoint. So kicking off the virtual summit, the chair of the IPNNI and AT&T's very own technical expert, Martin Dolly, provided an overview of the then and now and how we got here. Starting in October 2012, the FTC held a workshop to discuss robocalling and spoofing. And this was the collecting of the minds who apparently had some kind of monumental lunch that set standards, bills, rulings, and technologies in motion to present day 2021, where we are still talking about robocalling and spoofing. So this particular session covered the achievements, the challenges, and the technology advancements over the past nine years. It's a long time in these. Yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> it's I, I feel like we've been on on this uh, for quite some time now, and and it's only been like what three, four years now. Yeah, it feels uh, like forever. But yeah, but it feels like it's a lot longer than that. Uh, but it's good to hear that uh, that this has been going on and uh, been at the top of uh, things to do for for this group uh, for the last nine years. So that's good. It's a lot of work that has gone in. Yeah. And I feel like this particular session, and I think it is kind of common, at least for the the events that I've attended in the past, um, that it kicks off with this little history lesson, because we do need to remember where we came from and also acknowledge the achievements that have been done, because we kind of get stuck in that wheel of constantly working, and we're wondering, when are we ever going to come to an end, and have we done anything good? And this particular session really kind of outlined, hey, let's pause for a moment and acknowledge what's come about. So some of the key points uh, that they covered um, with regards to the, uh, you know, technologies and advancements is, you know, a lot of the activities around vetting and TN validation. So we have the telephone number registry for central location for all vetting. We've discussed delegated certificates for enterprise validation and also distributed ledger. And during the, throughout the week, each one of those particular topics was talked about a little bit deeper. Um, what uh, we also acknowledge was the branded calling service side, enhanced user display, such as RCD and out-of-band solutions, both from the standard side on the advancements there and also in the technology and POC. So it's good to acknowledge that we are working and there is something being produced. But as always, there's some areas to watch as well. I mean, we still have concerns, um, topics and issues that need to be addressed. One thing I thought was really kind of interesting, and Anise, we're kind of removed from this, but um, there was a statement made, and it's on the slide deck, that the bar for CA token issuance is lowering. So that's a little concerning, especially when we're talking about a framework for trust. Um, I don't know if you had any thoughts on that. I hadn't seen, I don't know what this uh, technically means about the bar being lowered, but clearly there is something that's coming about with regards to that as we move forward. 
Yeah, I think um, the big difference between how Canada is implementing stir shaken versus US, that could be a driver. As you know, in Canada, the PA and CA was a combo solution and the vendor was picked to do both. So that could be a reason why the CA token process or the, you know, the, uh, um, the requisites could be lowered. I do not know, I'm just guessing. Um, maybe we, it's a, it's something that we should get somebody from Canada to talk about this, right? Um, that could be uh, interesting. Uh, but there is a different, de definite difference between how Canada is implementing in terms of the vendors versus what we have in US. And also um, in Canada, they have more TDM players. So we have to also see how the carriers, you know, the TDM carriers are looked at uh, when this is rolled out. Yep. Another area uh, to watch is with regards to the vetting and TN validation. And it really kind of comes down to uh, which one's going to dominate uh, the ecosystem and which ones will fade away. I think, you know, from this year's versus last year's, there was a lot of concepts that were being put, you know, presented. This year, it seems like more solid proof of evidence, you know, that, okay, this model works. Some are still in the infancy stages on that vetting and TN validation, but you could see some maturity that's occurred in the uh, in the uh, ecosystem. But I think it's still one of those games of which one gets the most adoption. I think mm -hmm. we'll still live in a world where there's multiple solutions for vetting and TN validation, and we'll figure out how to work within that environment. But definitely, I think some will fade away. That's just my opinion. Right, and, uh, and remember, this is the first session after the June 30th deadline. So there were some data points that were shared as, as a result of uh, the deadline passing and uh, some service providers implementing uh, some of these solutions. And also I saw, or at least uh, my observation was that there were some underlying themes, uh, definitely identity, trust, vetting, verification, and then branded calling and enhanced call display. Those were all the high level themes of all the sessions that were getting presented. I, I, I also think that's as a, that is a result of getting over the deadline and now uh, the solution providers are looking to how to um, uh, implement this at scale and what else can they do once Tershaken has been implemented. To me, that is the branded calling solution um, and the identity-based services, whether it is, you know, we call it validation, waiting, authentication, whatever that is, right? So that's how I saw that the theme of the sessions were. Speaking of implementing at scale, uh, the other third theme was the international signing of calls. And international call signing is definitely taking center stage. Um, with this year's keynotes titled The View from Canada and The View from the Netherlands, you know, trust which is the topic of discussion this year, and all the at times the discussion was focused on why, we, why one shouldn't trust. Um, but I couldn't help but wonder, as, as we're hearing from the other countries who are implementing stir shaking, shaken, and what is their motivator behind why they are implementing this, um, we have a lot more trust issues <laughs> to focus on and figure out how do we exchange this information and bring identity globally on a global scale. But I couldn't help but wonder, you know, if we cannot trust each other in our own country using our own standards, will we ever advance this trust model on a global scale? 
And I guess we'll just have to wait to attend next year's SIP forum because I am pretty sure that we will get that update from Martin Dolly. So it's something to think about. <laughs> yeah, the international implementation, it's, it's beginning to happen. At least in Canada, we know that they are further along than other countries. The other places, I think we have to wait and see uh, because I mean, in, in Netherlands was interesting. I mean, they, they said that the, the issue that we have here is not what they see there. I mean, um, you know, there are subtle differences between locations and how they perceive this uh, problem. Yeah. Well, that brings me to one of my favorite sessions. And I'll just be honest, it's because of who was presenting. I am a huge fan of John Peterson from New Star. I think he is a mini genius uh, in this space for sure. Um, and that is one you should absolutely go re-watch. Um, with regards to that one, um, he co-presented on the topic of international calls. And this particular session has some really good data points that it, it didn't necessarily have answers, but John is really good at framing the problem that we need to start talking about and drive those conversations around. So one of the key points, um, and again, thank goodness someone is watching this, with regards to the international assigned traffic at the verification services, there is an increase of approximately 20 times over a 10-week span of this year of signed calls from an international, and that's a non-plus-one call. So a few data hmm. extractions from this evaluation included how calls are being attested. So of those international, I'm going to just going to say non plus one calls that were signed, 94% of the calls were signed with a B level attestation. But it is questioned whether B is the right choice for those calls and then Due to the consequences of signing with C, which is a topic that we have here in the U.S., there could be a trend that emerges of, you know, calls wanting to coalesce to at least a B. Um, hmm. And does that bring distinction or does it just create more um, uncertainty around the call? What are your thoughts on and did you see any other kinds of stats? Yeah, that, that's uh, very interesting that you quoted that number. I'm thinking about another session uh, this was one of the analytics providers uh, when they presented, um, they quoted the same number, 95, 94, 95% of the uh, honeypot calls for uh, determining robocalls was, was signed as B. Uh, again, the same statistic, 95% of the calls they were seeing as B level attestation, which is interesting that uh, the two different parties quoting the same number, uh, even though one was international, the other one was uh, for the robocall honeypot that was created to capture those calls. So that's, um, that's a telling number, uh, if you ask me. Yeah, and, it, and they highlighted, which I hadn't thought about it, um, but the session also highlighted that although the standards are clear on A, B, and C, right, for the attestation, we feel like it's crystal clear there shouldn't be any doubts around this. Um, with the guests within this session, you had a representative from France and from Canada, and they kind of talked about how maybe their numbering planning, uh, how they manage numbers in their country doesn't quite fit into those categories. And I mean, I just think it's very interesting um, of, of how they're going to reconcile that. And then that's a challenge for the analytics. What does mm. B really mean? Because Anise, you just said that there was a bunch of 
bad actor calls based on the analytics that were labeled B attestation. So I, I, I don't know if that means A is good. Um, I don't know. I don't know what this will mean. Yeah, what I think will happen is now um, the analytics um, would focus on B-level calls, either either to they will run their algorithms like how they are doing today before the stress shaking was implemented. Um, they would start looking at analyzing B-level calls, and you could you could see the spam categories and calls getting blocked if you don't have the A-level attestation. That's what I think is going to happen. So they will start focusing on the B-level calls. The international calls, I'm surprised that they have so much traffic with B-level because they should be signed C. Because if they don't know where the call is originating, when it hits the U.S. gateway, it should be C. So that's interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. But, you know, with different countries, you know, addressing somewhat different problems, then we have the potential to introduce variations in implementation. And I'm, I'm worried that this just creates more murky water. Um, so we'll definitely have to watch it. So I think, Anise, let's put on the list that we need to do a deep dive on the international calls. Maybe a one or two Tuesday talks on that one and maybe get some guests to, to dive into that. Let's move on to some of the other really exciting topics. Um, let's talk about the branding sessions. There were several of those. Do you have a highlight for that? Yeah, there were a couple of sessions on that. Uh, before we get into that, there were a couple of things uh, that came out of the GA update that I want to highlight. Um, so the GA update session was on Friday. Um, it was right before your session with, uh, with Aegis. Um, and they mentioned that there were a couple of policy changes that they had approved. One was uh, non-service providers like Respargs um, can get SPC tokens. And the other one was the approval for optional use of delegated certs in the Shaken ecosystem. So they highlighted these two uh, items uh, in their discussion. And it is important because this allows Respargs to now use their SPC tokens to either validate the numbers and issue a delegated cert or uh, they could use the same um, system to validate as part of a registry, like the TFN registry. So I think it's, um, it's an important update uh, in the right direction, which allows the uh, toll-free numbers and response who issue toll-free numbers to get validated. So that's one thing. And then the optional use of delegated cert in Shaken then allows uh, enterprises to get Delegated certs either directly from their provider and CA or through a from their provider through a subordinate CA and that framework still is is getting um, finalized but I think the fact that the policy has now been approved is a is a good update and in the right direction for enterprises so I want to highlight that before we talk about branded calling now with respect to branded calling uh, there were several sessions. Um, some of them were use cases that that were presented, uh, and some were more um, along the lines of uh, talking about enhanced call display and how that can improve customer experiences. Now there were some de demos of these solutions as well. What was interesting was that they did not particularly uh, address what kind of methodology was used uh, for these uh, use cases, whether it was delegated cert or centralized repository, you know, that was not discussed. 
in in one scenario or one use case that was demoed it looked like it was an out of band solution to to uh, that was behind the scenes that was used to implement a branded name um, however you know if the solution works and enterprise can leverage that model that's good uh, but what was not elaborated was the kind of technology that was used behind the scenes um, in fact there was an update on the centralized registry and that had a mention of delegated search so to me it seems like now the models are overlapping and whichever is best uh, used by a particular uh, or works on a particular carrier is the one that has been showcased that's the impression that i got now the best session on delegated search was of course the one by chris wen uh, who is one of the authors right so he had a session on trusted identity security and how delegated search enable that uh, he clearly articulated why the pka model used by delegated secure is more secure and distributed um, in within the stir shaken framework uh, which means that the pa and the, the cas and sub subordinate cas are all part of the same ecosystem and getting the search issued by with that hierarchy um, enables more trust and and adds that layer of security so i i think that was a great session um talking about how to leverage delegated search for uh, distributed um identity so that that was good i even tagged that one uh for anyone who's new to delegated certificates he did a brilliant job on explaining it and giving some really good analogies in a in a frame of mind that you would understand and be able to relate it to and I, my, my word for Chris is simplistically brilliant. That's, yeah. that's how he presents. Yeah, and he also kind of addressed some of the common uh, misnomers about how delegated sets are used, right? So he kind of addressed some of those, uh, those issues as well. Um, and finally, there was a presentation on out-of-band. Um, this was uh, specifically on out-of-band as it relates to the Strzegen artist framework. Um, it, it addresses the uh, scenarios where you have intermediate TDM switches. Um, there's a difference between the out-of-band that was talked in, in, in this forum versus what uh, Google has implemented, for example, in their verified caller. Um, here, the solution is specifically addressing non-IP switches in the call path uh, by updating what is called as a CPS or a call processing service on both ends. So at the origination side, the OSP can update the CPS uh, as part of the STAAS uh, function. And then on termination, uh, at terminating end, the TSP can, can use the CPS to retrieve the data. So that was interesting, uh, but it is very specific um, and it is, it is targeted for service providers to leverage this model. Uh, in the in the case of Google, verified calls, uh, as we know, it's more uh, for an enterprise to update um, the Google call server and then the terminating device connecting to the call server and retaining. So the con concept is pretty much the same. It's just that who uses it, right? So the the Strzegen Atis framework allows service providers to leverage the out of um, band model to to uh, kind of transport. Um, information when there are non-IP switches in between, whereas the Google solution is over the top, 
anybody who's making a call as an enterprise can just connect and then send the data to the terminating device. So we have to see how, how much adoption happens uh, with the service provider model. Uh, but at least, you know, it's uh, it was discussed and it was presented. So that's another uh, interesting session that was there. Yeah. So I want to move on to a more exciting topic, which is called regulatory. <laughs> um, <laughs> it is interesting. I think it's important that we follow this side of it. So uh, at least on the regulatory side, I mean, there were several topics and, and kind of the same uh, industry uh, leaders that we're used to. But there was one little theme that to me was the theme of enforcement uh, with regards to the FCC. And uh, there was an attorney advisor from the Enforcement Bureau at the FCC who discussed really what the Trace Act empowered, you know, some of the changes that came out of that. And I, and what I see is like a lot of organization going on. So from the Enforcement Bureau side, they have increased enforcement tools. Uh, there's increased penalties. There's a longer statute of limitations from one to four years. What this does is allows for a more time for case development. And it kind of, you know, as they continue to list, like, you know, the limita- limiting the citation requirements for robocall cases, they expanded the scope of who the Enforcement Bureau can go after. I, I couldn't help but think, you know, as a CEO, there are three buckets, resources, time, or money. <laughs> those, are, those are how we can move things. And to me, it was very clear that what the Enforcement Bureau side has been given is time um, and perhaps some more resources, such as through the industry traceback group. Um, So there's some organization going around there. And specifically on the Traceback Act, uh, with the portions of the call blocking, it resulted in um, cease and desist letters from the Enforcement Bureau. And that is a statement of, you need to clean up your act. And that is a quote. That is a direct quote from the Enforcement Bureau. Those letters mean you need to clean up your act. And there are two obligations that come out of those letters. Number one, you must investigate and mitigate the identified traffic within 48 hours. So while time is given to the Enforcement Bureau, less time is given to the bad actors. Um, The second point is implementing measures to prevent new and renewing customers from using their network to originate illegal calls. Talk about that in a little bit. Everybody should know at this point what I would say. Um, But it was just clear that the initiatives for identification of bad actors and those service providers enabling them, along with organization across bureaus, technology leaders, associations, state AGs, is a focus from the FCC's Enforcement Bureau. Clearly, the Enforcement Bureau is preparing to execute their enforcement power in a streamlined, repeatable, and effective manner. They are being empowered to succeed. This isn't something new for the Enforcement Bureau. They are leveraging years of experience to define that path forward for the FCC and ultimately consumers for their protection. So basically what I would say is they built the stick and now we watch and see who gets bonked on the head. So speaking of enforcement, (laughs) and that last point in those cease and desist letters, the last topic that was discussed is KYC, and I'm going to be a little greedy and talk about ours um, very quickly. Uh, We rounded out the SIP forum with a topic on know your customer, 
if you've heard us talk about it on a Tuesday talk, so I'm not gonna rehash what we discussed, but I will call out and mention what a great platform this was for us to participate in. And it was all worth it in receiving a notice from somebody who attended our particular webinar and found themselves in a situation of where they were delivering some bad traffic. And because of what we walked through uh, with, each of, with each of our panelists, they knew exactly what they needed to do to address it. So that's powerful. That's what I wanna see. Molly, we have two minutes and I don't know if we have time for questions. Um, but I will let you join. Hi, let's try to slip one in because we've got a couple of good ones. So the first one is stir shaken certificates are not available to international operators outside the USA. So in order to register in the robocall mitigation database, I can only add a robocall mitigation plan. Based on this, how will AT&T, for example, know that the call came in from my carrier if, if I'm three intermediate carrier hops away from AT&T? Hmm. Um, let, me, let me try to answer that one. Uh, if the originator, let's say uh, it, it's international, right? So if it's an international originator um, and their call, when the call lands at the US gateway, the US gateway needs to sign the call with the Strashaken cert. Right. Otherwise, AT&T wouldn't know when they receive it. And again, if there is an intermediate TDM, this could get lost. That's the reality of the situation today. So it's going to be very difficult to for AT&T to figure out if they are like if the if the originating service provider was like two or three hops away from the U.S. gateway. Now, if it if they're using a U.S. gateway and they're signing the call, and the call is for taking an IP route and it's landing on AT&T, then they will know who they are or who signed the certificate, basically. All right, so that's all we have time for. We'd like to thank all of you for joining us today for another episode of Tuesday Talks. We hope to see you all again on Tuesday, August 24th. Take care.